Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. I want to put a disclaimer out there for everybody listening that this episode is about babies being killed. So if you have a sensitivity to the subject, please, please feel free not to listen. I don't want to offend or hurt anybody's um, sensibility. Okay, queer. All right, take two. Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome back to Dissecting Medical History for another Wait for it. True medical crime story. Woohoo! I'm back with Mel. Hello. And we are going to be talking about the Butterbox Babies. The Butterbox Babies. Again, that's something I've never heard of before, so I'm excited. (laughs) This is about the Youngs. William and Lily Young were from Nova Scotia. We're just getting right into the story. There you go. No chit-chatting this time. They're from Nova Scotia, Canada. A. A. And I've always wanted to go (laughs) to Nova Scotia and Quebec City. Quebec City. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cool things there. I've been to British Columbia. I've been to... What's the one right over the border? Victoria. I've been to Victoria. That's the only place in Canada I've been, but it was been, pretty awesome. I've been there and um yeah, I've been there too. Lila did I say Lily? I have to start over because I think I said their oh. names wrong. Oh. Okay. <laughs> William and Lila Young were from Nova Scotia, Canada. Lila graduated from the National School of Obstetrics and Midwifery. 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 Is it midwifery or midwifery? It's I've mid- always said it midwifery. I typed midwifery. Mid- <laughs> well, it's not that. <laughs> um, I think she as a, she graduated as a nurse. William said he was a doctor, but no idea from where or what kind. I couldn't find anywhere where he was a real doctor. He just mm. wanted to be a medical missionary. He just claimed so, to be. Yep. So he said he was. It's uh, not cool. Nope. He was also a minister. Had, they got married. I think they found each other in Oregon, and then they went to Nova Scotia. They had uh, five children. Um, the Youngs are two very religious Canadians of mm. the Seventh-day Adventist church background. Okay. They. I'm a little familiar with that. They... That, Not terribly. I believe it's the same religion that the Kellogg brothers came from. Okay. I do remember them. The, yeah. And they were 
very much into health, like the ad, the Seventh Day Advents. Okay. So, I feel like maybe that's part of they wanted to be helpful to the world around them. In okay. 1928, just like right before the Great Depression, mm-hmm. they opened up a, the Life and Health Sanitarium in a tiny little cottage in Nova Scotia. Now, it didn't go very well. Not to mention, like I said, it was right before the Great Depression. Um, so they had to change tactics if they wanted to survive financially. They changed their name to the Ideal Maternity Home and Sanitarium. Because at that time, they realized that baby farming was a very lucrative business. Baby farming? Yeah, do you know what baby farming is? I do not know what baby farming is. It sounds terrible. Baby, (laughs) it can be. Baby farming is where um, you take babies that are unwanted and find them a home. Oh, okay. And it's lucrative because the people finding them a home make good money. The people oh. giving the baby, the unwanted baby, doesn't make any money. Okay. So, but it is a lucrative business, and... I feel like there's got a... <laughs> they should have had a better name for that. Baby farming? Baby farming. Uh, well... Yeah. Anyway. Because there's just so many, I guess, it just... Was like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were... And they were right. The unwed women flocked to the sanitarium to give birth. They advertised on the slide, but they would put, like, articles and papers. They would come for a couple days and leave the baby to the youngs to find a new home. Married women came, too, but they weren't taken advantage of as the unwed women were. The married women could be charged, like, $75, but the unwed mother would be charged, like, 100 to 200 plus supplies and medications. So they could end up racking up a bill of like 300 bucks. I wonder why Which, they would charge more for unwed mothers. Because they they're were probably... desperate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're just taking advantage. Yeah, they were taking advantage of. Okay. These, the youngs were taking advantage of them. I don't know right. if all baby farming places were like that, but okay. the youngs knew that they could get more out of the unwed mothers because they were desperate. Okay. They would stay there um, if the woman couldn't afford to pay the bill. They would stay there and work it off. So not only did they get the baby, they got free labor as well. Mm. From a woman that just gave birth. I don't know. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure they gave him a couple days to recover. A couple days. (laughs) (laughs) You just had a baby, no big deal. They would often sell the babies to couples in America, especially Jewish families, because there was this law that kept Jewish families from adopting non-Jewish babies. Mm. So who was to say that the baby that the Youngs were providing wasn't Jewish? Right. They would sell the baby for about $1,000 in the 1920s. The price kept increasing until their peak in the 1940s when the Youngs were Selling the babies for $10,000 each. Oh, oh my God. Yep. They Wait, had... what, what decade was this? 1940. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of money in 1940. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but it's a lot, a lot of money. Yep. Their place grew to a 54-room facility, so they've really expanded, and they had banked 
$3 million. Oh, my God. So it seems like a win-win situation, right? An unwanted pregnancy is resolved. Though I think that the mother should get some kind of commission from the adoption. Like, if she's going to go through that and give up the baby for adoption, mm-hmm. she should get something. Yeah. A couple um, who wants a baby gets a baby. And then the youngs who are in business to make money are making money. Mm. So it seems like a win-win all around. But here's the problem. Lila is not your average baby farming lady. Mm. She's not even your average lady. She's not even your average person. Uh Uh-oh. She's a terrible person. She had some pretty high standards and some pretty crappy ways of resolving them. She was thought to have been a pretty cold-hearted person. And she thought of the babies as stock. Oh. Hence the name Baby Farm, huh? <laughs> well, she didn't make up the Baby Farm name. But she thought of them as, as cattle, I guess, stock. Mm. She would go around the nursery, and if a baby did not measure up to her standards, that baby was destined to be starved. Oh, by my give, God. By, yep, by only being given glasses of water, and, or by giving water or molasses. Oh, yeah. And any baby that was deformed or sickly or biracial were all mm-hmm. things that would not s- sell, I guess, according to her. Were babies that other people didn't want to adopt. Oh, my God. Yep. It's thought that she had gotten rid of 400 to 600 babies. Ooh. They were all separated from the others, and they were all disposed of just like that. Just malnutrition to death. Oh, my God. There were rumors in the 1930s um, about this, uh, the deaths of babies. And the Office of Public Health was asked to look into the sanitarium. In March of 1936, the Youngs were charged with two counts of manslaughter of a woman and a newborn due to ne- negligence and unsanitary conditions. They were acquitted. What? Yep. It was rumored that the information that they had on local politicians helped them to get away with it. Oh, my God. Yep. That's horrible. A mounted police officer uh, didn't want to let things go, though. He found that the mortality rate of this place was like 8.1% when Nova Scotia average was 3%. And that was only on the ones that were reported. Oh, right. Now, there was a handyman named Glenn Shatford who was part of the property, but he didn't speak up until years later, until after, yeah, till way after. But he had mentioned that the babies were thrown into the ocean or the furnace. Oh, my God. They would put the babies in little shift makeshift coffins that were butter boxes from a local store. Uh, that's why the media dubbed them the Butterbox Babies. Right, right. It wasn't until 1945 that the authorities finally decided to do something. 1945. <laughs> a public health official Took them came, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The public health officials came and found the place so disgusting. Grime-encrusted walls, floors... There were black flies everywhere, they said on every surface, and they found the the undernourished babies 
exploded little tummies and sunken eyes. Aww. They were all separated from the others. They were covered in urine and feces. Oh, my God. And they were moved um, out of that facility. The youngs were tried and found guilty. Their punishment? $150 fine. Are you kidding me? Nope. Oh, my God. They lost their license. The government made some changes to regulations because of them, and then they were forced to reapply, but they were denied. But that didn't stop the youngs. They opened up a new facility called, get this, Lovely Babies for Adoption. Mm. They were caught selling babies to Americans and were fined again a year later for $128. Oh, wow. They had to pay a fine of their millions and millions but that they were making. It was two pairs of Americans. That was $20,000. <laughs> so just kind of a small, uh, kind of a small yeah. tax on what they oh. were making, basically. Right. Exactly. Well, then... Uh, Lila Young filed a suit against a newspaper. During the trial, I guess, things weren't looking so good on her in the newspaper. So she filed a libel suit against them. Well, the newspaper got their revenge because they fought back with telling about the conditions. Now, they had honesty or the truth on their side because it was documented by the health department that their place was filthy, that the babies were malnutrition that there were rumors of the babies being vanished. And so their reputation got so ruined by the newspaper. I mean, the newspaper was relentless. Good. That they had to close down their business. Good for them. Yep. And, but that was it. That was all that happened. They didn't, they yeah. didn't have After any. After all the children that they starved to death, basically murdered. Yep. That's it. Yep, he got to retire. William died in 1962 of cancer, and Lila died in 1967 of leukemia. So, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty intense. So, I'm, I'm going back a little bit. I think you said in originally when they had the first place open, they got up to, what, 54 beds or something like that? Yeah. Did they have people people going around and feeding these babies? And I don't know. It... Well, I'm not sure about who was in on it. Mm -hmm. Because I find it hard to believe that one of the people who gave birth and was working there would then go to the babies that were separated mm -hmm. and treated. So I think it's people like the handyman who kind of knew about what was going on right. that were probably kept to secrecy. They probably, like the, the, the mothers that were there to work free labor, probably were kept away from the area that had the babies that were to die. Oh, right. Yeah, that's probably yeah, I don't, true. I imagine I, they probably tried to keep that under wraps. I you know, even even so, even without purposely trying to starve a baby to death, I know that I've heard about babies that grow up in orphanages and that sort of thing that don't get the attention, the bonding with the adult, with the parent. 
like yeah. they should that babies can have serious issues and even die just from neglect just from like emotional neglect and that sort of thing yeah. so the health department did say the babies were crying and just kind of like some were just i guess um were crying like that that sad cry like mm. not like they need something but like they're about to die cry oh my god that's horrible now the people that i mean i i guess they never really there was never really justice served or anything but i wonder if the people that had given up their children for adoption at that place if they ever found out the fate the condition, of their yeah. children and that sort that's of thing that's a good question because if it was hundreds and especially like i'm sure well like i said it didn't really come out until later of like what her standards were like the biracial thing or the deformity or whatever and did the mother even know like if she gave birth did they show the baby to the mother right they could have just taken the baby away and never knew that their baby had a deformity right because if there's no communication or anything like that afterwards after the baby is given to the baby farm I guess maybe the mothers have no idea if it, their baby was one of the ones that was starved to death. I guess if, when it came out later, or if it came out later, if the mothers were still alive and they yeah. knew that their baby had some sort of deformity or were biracial or whatever, they would yeah. have known. But Okay, so a little description about baby farming. Before we tell our next story. So baby farming pretty much became an ends to a means for women who didn't really have a choice. One for the mother who had an unwanted baby, like a prostitute or a just a single mother or single unwanted mother who got themselves into some trouble. There was no real options for people like that to to have a baby. It wasn't like there was contraceptions and they could just go and, you know, prevent the baby from happening, mm -hmm. but they didn't have a way to, they didn't have anywhere to take the baby. Like it was such a social taboo to have, to be a single mother raising a baby. Plus there was very little in childcare. So it was hard to work and have a baby. What do you do to the baby during the day? The baby needed its mother, needed to be, um, needed milk and needed those things while the mother was supposed to work. So there's few options for work for women like that. Um, so they had to get rid of the baby or do something like that or have some type of support with family that could watch the baby. And in a lot of cases, in one of the stories that I'm going to tell, you'll notice that, um, well, she didn't have the support of her family. Although she didn't have a baby, she just didn't have support of her family going out. I imagine out. back in those days, it was a big problem that people didn't want the family name to, you know, anything be bad tarnished. to come of. The, yeah, exactly, yeah. to be tarnished. Yeah, so. there's a story that I'll tell later about a family who, she didn't have a baby, but the family didn't like that she was running around with boys, so... They weren't supportive of that. They thought she was going to get herself into trouble. So they sent her away. But 
there is not options. So the other the other problem is women who needed money like that would turn to baby farming as a means to an end to make money. Like in that first story with the Youngs, they were needing money, so they turned to baby farming because just having a home or having a like a home for what was it? A they originally started out with just like a nursing home baby farming became a way for both parties to have a solution so the baby farming the word baby farming actually was a negative term it wasn't oh, even, a term even back then it was back a then yeah term. okay it, it was a term used back then for a place that's kind of like a dirty unhygienic hmm. a place where babies were neglected especially a little bit later in the baby farming era, when they were becoming more well-known, they were probably more predominant in England, but they were in the U.S. and they were in Australia and the oceanic areas like New Zealand. And I can't say that they were all, that they all were murdering on purpose. I'm not even sure that some of the people that were found guilty were murdering at all. They were just very horrible neglectful neglectful yeah neglectful women so it became a way to earn money so the baby would be dropped off at this place with this mother and the or with a woman not the mother she could be a mother yeah she could um, be <laughs> she could have been most of them were she's a stand-in she, mother kind of right maybe. so they're dropped off and then either that person dropping off the baby gives them a lump sum or they give them periodic payments. But either way, that lump sum that they get wasn't really enough to sustain taking care of a baby. And sometimes they would give them a present amount of money, which was supposed to then be given to the foster or adoptive parents. Now, that, of course, doesn't always become the case, the woman would end up just keeping that money as well and not passing it on to the adoptive parents. Yeah. I'm sure there were some that were that nice and did that, but a lot of them would keep the money to help take care of the baby because it is a lot of expense to take care I've of a child. I've heard it can be expensive. I've never had a baby, but uh, Me I neither. imagine <laughs> how expensive that must be. There's all kinds of things that go into taking care of of children so oh yeah anyway so that's just a little bit about baby farming as we get into the stories you'll see a little bit more you'll see a little bit more about them so our first story or well i guess this is the second story it takes place in the 1800 1880s to the 1890s specifically this is about wilhelmina dean who goes by minnie she was from Scotland and may have come south to Southland, New Zealand within a little illegitimate child. What? I can't speak. Still illegitimate child. Illegitimate child. She only knew one person that was her aunt, but ended up marrying a man named Charles Dean soon after she got to New Zealand. Historians say he was horrible with money. And was an alcoholic, 
and that quote slipped in and out of bankruptcy. That's it's not horrible. Good. Nope. <laughs> they moved to Winton, New Zealand with nothing. Charles ended up finding work as a la- as a laborer, which could pretty much mean anything, I guess. Right. And many started teaching local children, but then found that baby farming made more money. Uh-oh. Minnie was a child care worker. She took in children, um, young children that were under age three. I think they called their place the the larches. The larches? The larches, yeah. And I think if I could find a picture, I'm going to put a picture of her little house. It's tiny. Yeah. It's like a shed. It looks like a shed from somebody's backyard. And this is she, where she did the baby farm? Or she yes. It? Yeah. What so does she, larches mean? Is that some kind of term? And Why you want to ask me a hard question New like Zealand that? New Zealand English? Or it doesn't not mean anything? The larches? <laughs> I, I didn't look it up. I didn't oh, okay. even. It didn't even dawn on me. That was the word I didn't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the larches. I guess. I don't know. I'm going to look I, it up. It reminds me of, like, the Adams Family. Yeah, that does kind of remind me of that. It's like a spooky little house. Right, but I don't I don't know why it reminds me of the Adams Family. Larches are deciduous conifers. They're trees. So oh. Maybe, maybe so maybe there's a lot of those trees around. In New Zealand or something. Okay. Well, thank you for looking at it. <laughs> she placed advertisements in newspapers across the South. That read, a respectable married woman wants to adopt a child. Comfortable home in the country. It definitely was in the country. Comfortable? That I don't know like about comfortable. Stretch, maybe. It looked, it looks like a comfortable, it's a cozy shed. Yeah. Well, well. Everybody's stacked together. Sounds lovely. The children were under the age of three and she might have had up to nine at a time. Good Lord. She might have had nine at a time. She was watching these children for a fee, sort of like a foster parent. One author had wrote about her and, or written about her. (laughs) Bad English. (laughs) Hey, you corrected yourself. It's okay. I'll let it slide. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So an author had written about her and said that, she no doubt loved the charges that she had, and she had the best intentions. She probably just didn't have the money to look after so many. About 27 little lives crossed paths with Minnie. 16 of those were born out of wedlock. We've mentioned this before. This In this era, this it was a social taboo. It, it's like social ostracism if you... Have a child out of wedlock, right? Right. So yeah, people were paying days. Minnie. Yeah, people were paying Minnie to pretty much care for and find another home for their unwanted child. Okay, so I used to help watch my niece when she was like a, under a year old. Mm-hmm. And to keep her entertained and fed and cleaned kept me really busy. Yeah. I can't imagine. Having to do try- with nine? If with nine, nine till under three. Under yeah. three? Because once they start uh, walking, they get pretty much all over the place, right? I can't even keep up with one puppy right now. I could not <laughs> imagine keeping up with nine children. Sounds awful. 
Yeah. So, and I, and it was funny because like if my niece went to sleep, and she, that's when I would do other things. Yeah. And you still have to keep watching her, right? Right. Because when I would um have her uh, take a nap, it was on this giant bed. And it was funny because if she didn't take a very long nap, I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I didn't get to done, so, get done what I wanted Can you imagine? Yeah. I can't even imagine trying to take care of nine. No. No way. Well, back in the 1880s, infant mortality was pretty high. So sometimes it was very difficult to know if it was a natural or if it was a forced death, you know, if if, um, right. if someone helped it along. Right. So Minnie's little business was looked into after a six-month-old had died in 1889. Mm. And then a six-month-old died of inflammation of the heart valves and congestion of the lungs mm. not too long after that. That's the authorities, no, the authorities found that the babies were well cared for. However, the place was not adequate. Meaning it was too small. It was just not. Um, Imagine they got some sort of infection, maybe a strep throat that wasn't. Well, I think it could have been, but that doesn't really. Then, but yeah, but that doesn't really mean that it was murder. Right. Exactly. That just sounds like neglect. If it was. Right. Or it but, was the 1880s. Maybe it just happened because. But maybe they thought it was some type of drug, or I don't know. Right. The authorities learned that Minnie was trying to find more babies and they found out that she was taking out life insurance policies on these little infants. Oh, that's definitely a red flag. So yeah, while they were investigating her, she was trying to get even more babies and trying to do the insurance policies. They never panned out though. She didn't get, she didn't get them and she didn't make money off of them. Oh, good. But she was trying. In 1892, the police took a baby out of her care that was only three weeks old. Three weeks old. Minnie apparently had a boarding house as well, where this baby was purchased from a mother for 25 pounds. She had only had the baby two days, but the mother said that she could, this is quoted, scarcely recognize her child that it was so altered after two days. The baby was dirty and being fed from bottles that contained sour and curdled milk. Ew. So nasty. Gross. Minnie, Minnie remained under surveillance after the commissioner of the police told the minister of justice about his concerns. I mean, that when I read that, oh, that curdled my stomach. I know. That is disgusting. This poor baby. On May 2nd, 1895, Minnie was seen boarding a train carrying a young baby and a hat box. On the return trip, the guard noticed only the hat box. A porter later testified it was a very heavy hat box on yeah. the return trip. I imagine so. <laughs> Nobody looked in the box, but that's that's what they assumed, that uh, there was a dead baby in the box. Oh, my God. The authorities started searching the train tracks but found nothing. Then they did, however, find bodies of two recently buried babies in Minnie's garden as well as that of an older boy. Not sure how old, but seeing as though she only took three or under, probably around three. Yeah. Uh, she said the boy died of drowning. One of the babies, a girl named Dorothy Carter, was found to have opiate laudanum 
overdosed in her. Mm. That was usually something given to babies to help keep them calm. Oh my god, that's horrible. That was like the normal. That's like given that's like giving a baby morphine to get it to stop crying. That's Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Luckily my niece was a good baby. I never had to drug her. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Her mom listens to the podcast. So um... <laughs> she's going to be coming after you. <laughs> I, I never she's did. got a lot of questions. <laughs> I never would. I never, ever, ever would. She knows I'm a good nurse. I would never drug. And I baby. know you love babies. I wouldn't even drug an adult. Right. I do yeah, love I mean, babies. I love babies so much. <laughs> she's and my niece. Oh, my gosh. She's my heart. I love her. She was like the best, best baby. Aww. She really, she really was. She, I worked really hard to make her laugh. And when she laughed, oh my gosh, she would like suck in like, <gasps> <laughs> oh my gosh, she, she is adorable. She's adorable. She's still adorable. Aww. But as a baby, she was like the best baby to take care of. Aww. And I, I, you know what? I could see, you know, there, there's like, moms who end up with postpartum and there's moms that end up like so overwhelmed mm -hmm. and you hear about how they shake the baby uh -huh. when they start crying and there's and i i've never had to go through that i've never seen that but i can imagine if if the baby is not wanting to cry or is start is crying too much or whatever and you're like oh my god i'm not but yeah, it drive you crazy. I remember when I worked in the hospital, I'm sure you've probably, you have probably seen this before too. We would get some postpartum patients in overflow over to our unit where I worked. And we had to show everybody before they got discharged from the hospital, the shaken baby video. And oh, people would wow. always tell us, they said, oh, that was intense. And, you know, the moms would be crying and everything. And oh. be like, I'm sorry, I have to make you watch this. That's so awful. to help, no, to help I keep never... people from shaking their babies. Yeah, they made everybody watch it. I never heard that. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. I never, I've never taken care of a postpartum. Um, oh, okay. I usually stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, I have know. a choice. I usually stay away from them too, but I didn't have a choice. So yeah. what are you going to do? Oh. Well, I, I did everything I could to make the baby laugh and uh, to make my niece laugh. And, um, of course, she's like, she has, she's got this like old soul look to her. Aww. She's very, but she, um, like to make her laugh, she just sit there and stare at you. And I like, I'd work with, but when she laughed, man, it was the best. It was Aww. the best. But again, trying to take care of, like, I don't know how I would like entertain nine children. I <laughs> like, know, seriously. I, and, and no television TVs and iPads right. and all that stuff before putting on snow white. Exactly. And watching that 10 times a day. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Minnie went on trial June 18th, 1895 with the defense that it was an accidental death, but she was still found guilty and sentenced to hang. Her defense lawyer said that the prosecution was really sensationalizing Minnie as this monster and that, of course, it became a bigger deal than it should have been. And when asked if she had any last words, she said no, except that I'm innocent. But <laughs> the newspapers, of course, reported a different story. They said they heard her yelling out, oh, God, let me not suffer. At the hanging on August 12th, 1895. <sighs> you know, I love I love executions. <laughs> right. I think you know that about me. I love 
I love executions and stories about executioners and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, this story. Who doesn't love a good execution, right? Ange? Well, I just <laughs> right. I I just consistently eccentric just posted an episode about an executioner. Oh. Okay. Where this executioner, before he became an executioner, was selling pies. Oh. I don't know if you've listened to that episode yet. I haven't. I need to go listen to that. Well, he was selling pies before he became one. And, out, you know, like they would sell popcorn or hot dogs at a event. They were selling miniature dolls in hat boxes at this one. Oh. At this hanging. Yeah. That's, was... that's pretty messed up. Right? <laughs> I don't I I don't think I could get on board with that. An interesting thing about Minnie is she's the only woman ever to be hung in New Zealand. She was the first and the last. Really? Also, uh-huh. Also, that she and the hatbox became infamous. Hmm. A singer-songwriter said that she was from the town from that town and that Minnie was kind of the boogeyman of the town. Oh. So, like if someone said, you better behave or I'll send you to Minnie's farm or oh, God. something like that. Yeah. The singer-songwriter wrote a song about her and I'm not sure when, but wrote a song about Minnie and her hat box. Oh. In 2009, a relative... Is sh- now, usually it's an unmarked grave or it has a very simple marker for someone who's been executed. But in 2009, a relative from Scotland paid to have the headstone placed on her previously unmarked grave. Hmm. So I guess she did have some, it like they said it had just appeared and they were trying to figure out who it was. And then somebody from Scotland confessed that they had, that he had done the, the grave. Oh, that's weird. There is a reevaluation of her case thinking that perhaps she never really did intentionally kill any of the babies, but there is the overdose of the opiate. And the burying of the baby without mentioning to anyone about the death. So, and then there was three of them. So, I don't know if they can just say, yeah, it was unintentional. I mean, you could say, oh, one was an accidental death. I was scared. I buried the baby. But there's three, There's right? three. You, you yeah, should have so, learned your lesson or you. Yeah, right. that's, no. Those were not so, all accidents. Whether the intentions were good or not. I don't think she's innocent. No. But did she deserve to hang? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to I mean, get into the death penalty debate. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I, uh, me neither. There's some people I feel like, oh my gosh, that's so horrendous. They should not be on this earth. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then there's some that's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what their intentions were. I don't know what their mental capacity was. Like, right. Yeah. So, I, in her case, I don't know. Yeah. Minnie was being surveillance pretty early on, which I I have to say, most of the stories that I've read about in regards to baby farming around the world is that the authorities are very slow to act, let alone surveillance, do surveillance, especially with mm. people like the Youngs that got away with their murders for decades. Mm. So, well done, New Zealand. Yeah, seriously. The other thing that came about with her case is that in 1893 infant life the infant life protection act came about it required that anyone that took children under two for more than three days in a row for a fee had to register as a foster home and they were inspected by the police 
This was later ex- expanded to children under four. Good. Of course, this put a strain on the police. <laughs> I'm so sure. So it may not have been the perfect solution. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> At least they did something, though. Right. It might not be perfect, but they tried. Okay, so for this next story, we're going to head over to Sweden. Ooh. This is... <laughs> I know. I love telling now stories about other countries. Aww. So as I'm, like, researching some of them, I'm like, oh, so I have, like, a bunch of true medical crime stories from other countries that I'll be telling in the next, you know, few months because... There's some really good stories. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I we hear a lot of stories um, from the States because that's where we're from. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's on television, the Dateline and all that. Right. They tell the story. Right. So I'm like, I've heard of all these stories. And even in the UK. But when I started researching some of the baby killers, and I found a lot of other mm-hmm. type of medical true crime. So I have one um, from Sweden. Nice. Have you ever been I'll to be- Sweden? I have not. I have you? Either. I have not. I've been to Norway, no. which is right next door. No. Norway gets all the good coastline. They got all the, they got yeah, all that. Yeah. Do you have any listeners in Sweden that you know of? I had one, yes. Oh, cool. I don't know if they're like a loyal listener. I haven't looked at the, at what countries right. yet. So, but anyway, okay. Hilda Nielsen. She is the Swedish baby farmer. So Hilda Nielsen, she was born in 1876. Again, this is late Victorian Mm -hmm. um, time, the late 1800s, in the town of Helsingborg, Sweden. She later married Gustav. Which that is a great name. I love that. I love that name. Gustav. And they lived happily ever after. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, they were good they were story. Poor. Good, good story. Moving <laughs> they on. Were, they were poor, and Hilda deduced that what other women had deduced when they had nothing else to do for making money, they became a baby farmer. It seems to be the thing back then. Yep. She started to take in out-of-wedlock children. Again, the social taboo did not miss Sweden. So having a child out of wedlock um, was not a good thing there either. Yeah. So for a fee, the mothers would bring their children to her, placed in a very clean and welcoming home. The mothers felt more secure. So they would come into her home, saw that it was all clean, and say, oh, okay. Um, I imagine there was something sinister going on under the surface, though. Oh, I think. perhaps. I mean, I'm a little worried that I... that's where this is going since we're doing a podcast <laughs> about it. Yeah, I'm. Spoiler alert: none of them are innocent. None of them end well. <laughs> none of them are. Yeah. Um. So she would take them in, and I believe it was like a one-time payment for leaving their child. It's that lump sum payment, mm-hmm. and of course, like I said, the fees weren't gonna last long. It wasn't enough to actually take care of a baby. Also, Hilda didn't even try and find homes for these babies she took in. Yeah. Hilda became known as the Angel Maker on Burke Street. The Angel Maker. That sounds kind of nice, but kind of not. It's actually not Burke Street. It's Baruch's Street. Baruch's. 
B-R-U-K-S. Baruch Street. I don't know. It's a Swedish name. So what made Hilda different from the other baby farmers in Sweden and elsewhere in the world, besides the ones that we've been talking about today, is that she actually was murdering the babies. Oh, my God. Like, the youngs left them, kind of neglected them or let them die. She was actually murdering them. She was actively killing them. She was just taking the money and... Yep. She would immediately take the baby after they dropped off, they dropped him off. She would put them in a wash bin, a wash tub, with a very heavy object to be put on top of the baby mm. and leave it there under the water for hours. Oh my God. Then she would come back hours later and collect the dead body and either burn it or bury it. Ugh. I don't know how she decided which one to do. Maybe if it was like a hot day and she didn't want to run the oven, <laughs> she would bury <laughs> the baby. It's too hot to be cooking babies today. Right. You know, like when you're in the summer and you're like, oh, I don't feel like cooking. So I'm just going to head on over order to some, she order some DoorDash those days. <laughs> um, so I don't know how she decided. But anyway, other baby farmers like the Youngs, like I said, which is malnutrition, their babies, she... Had no problems putting a big old rock on top. She just said, let's get this over with. <sighs> yeah. That. I, you know, I wonder if she just like put the object on, put the baby there and left because she couldn't handle looking at the baby while it was drowning. I kind of hope so that she's not as much I, of a psycho that she just, she's like, I got other stuff to do. It makes me feel sick that there's like. This drowning, like the, oh, it, it makes me sick thinking about it. Helpless yeah. little baby. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like babies are so helpless. Exactly. They're so vulnerable. They need everything. Exactly. And this, uh, yeah, it made me yeah. sick reading yeah, about it. It's pretty horrible. Well, one of the mothers, Belinda uh, Henriksen, had a change of heart and wanted to come back and see the baby. But Hilda refused. Of course, she did not have the baby. <laughs> so, what was she to do? She then contacted the police. Well, Hilda left a lot of evidence of all her wrongdoing. And so, she was arrested. In June 1917, she was convicted of murdering eight children. Mm. So, they must have found eight, at least buried... Because I'm sure, or maybe, I don't know. Do you know how old they all were? Was she, did she? They were immediately killed. Okay, so these were all newborn babies. Yeah, like they were, like, I don't know if they were days old. Because the mother, it wasn't like the mother had given birth and then was like, hopped on a bus and brought it over. Right. So it it may not have been the same day. But these it would aren't have been kids up to four years old. Kind no, of thing. Okay. they were all new. So it could have been weeks old. It could have been days old. Mm-hmm. They were all very young. So super, super all helpless. Infants. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so she was accused of eight. And again, I don't know if they found the eight buried. They found the eight burned. They they found the mothers. I don't I know. I imagine they found some sort of evidence even if they were burned because in, or- in order to cremate somebody, it has to be really, really high temperatures that I don't imagine you could get in a home oven. I'm not sure if it was, she had a furnace down in the oh, basement. Oh, okay. Maybe had she had some kind of I, I was furnace, just making but... the joke about yeah. the oven. 
Oh, <laughs> but I'm saying like, like either way, even if she had a furnace, uh, it, can you, you know, imagine? She she's still like had evidence, bones left over. Whatever. She's like, honey, you want some apple pie? Let me just, just clean the oven of, first. Let me just scrape the. <laughs> let me just scrape the bodies off. <laughs> you, oh. never, you never know. You never. You know. don't never know. Either oh. way, I wonder kinda... if it's protein. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, however, <laughs> now we're just getting morbid. <laughs> So you guys, um, I just want everybody listening to understand that Angie and I, Ange and I are nurses. Um, we, uh, one of the ways that nurses cope <laughs> is with a dark sense of humor. Um, we in no way think that killing babies is funny, but you know, in order to cope, <laughs> what do you say, Ange? Would you, that would is you very agree true. to that? We that have to have a true. dark sense of humor to make it day to day. You have to laugh. Yeah. So, so just... <laughs> Thank for thank just, you for that just little a disc- side note. Little disclaimer. They're gonna think we're like really morbid. I know. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I did laugh at my grandmother's funeral. Okay. Really? Oh, okay. I did. Yeah, I'm gonna have to hear to, that story. It was the only way to cope. Yeah. Yeah. See. See. <laughs> okay. So, however, um, Hilda, <laughs> like, where was I? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Gotta read the fine print, people. Okay. Pro- protein on my apple pie. Protein. Okay. <laughs> she was she was sentenced to die by guillotine. Which is actually I think the only one I've read that was not a, a hanging. Yeah. Or where the sentence was um acquitted or whatever. Which I'm not telling any well, the youngs were acquitted. Right. They didn't get in trouble, but Anyway, this one, she was sentenced to die by guillotine, which I thought, oh, that's so cool. But she committed suicide in her cell with a linen cloth before she died. Hmm. Before she was sentenced to die. She killed herself. Um, But ironically, the court commuted her sentence uh, to life in prison. So she could have had life in prison, but I guess she would rather just have been. I I almost think that, I don't know. I've never been to prison or jail. Or anything I've seen like Orange that, is but... the New Black, and I don't want to yeah. go to prison. Yeah, right. Yeah, from Orange <laughs> is the New Black, I don't want to go to prison. I think I'd rather have the a death sentence, to be honest. Right. With I you. don't want to be anybody's girlfriend. Exactly. I think in some ways, life in prison is worse. A worse punishment. <laughs> right. So. Right. I think so because I, uh, you lose your freedom. Mm-hmm. You, you're told what to do. You have menial jobs. You're with other people. I, and I've seen like, I've seen documentaries like where they are in a certain prison where they're waiting to go to, mm-hmm. where they're waiting to find out what their sentence is. Oh, uh-huh. and then once they get their sentence and then they go off to another prison and in this place, there's like women that are the boss, like a mafia boss, or whatever. Oh yeah. And they take like, they have like harems. Mm. They're all like lesbians. Oh. And one girl was like, I am never, I'm not a, I, I'm not a lesbian. Not that there's anything wrong with it being a lesbian. Yeah. But she's like, I'm, I'm, she had a boyfriend or whatever. She's like, I'm never going to. And next thing you know, she's, she hooks up with one of these girls and ends up having an obsession and then getting a tattoo that tattoos herself to that person. Wow. And I'm like, one, I don't want to be anybody's girlfriend, and two, I don't want a tattoo. Yeah, I don't a want a homemade yeah. prison tattoo. Yeah. So I'm gonna no, do you. the straight and narrow. You know I'm what probably gonna... comes with a homemade prison tattoo is hepatitis. 
<laughs> I or, also I also would like to not have that. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of long list of things that I right. don't want. So and, you so know I'm some gonna... people when they get the death penalty because I you know I listen to a lot of true crime, they actually or sorry, when they get life in prison, they say, "Hey, can I just get the death penalty?" Because right. people don't want to spend 40 years in prison. No, I think death penalty would be better than life in prison. Like, so, yeah. So, I'm doing the straight and narrow. I'm not going to kill anybody. Yep. Me too. No killing babies. That's the no, plan. No stealing anything. No, no, no being in the wrong banks. place. I don't even want to be... I don't even be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So that I'm accused of someone else's deeds exactly <laughs> right? exactly need to not leave my dna anywhere i don't want to be framed i don't want any of that yep nope. i'm with you so she took uh well maybe it wasn't the coward's way out maybe it was just you know that was smart mm-hmm. anyway okay they say that uh <laughs> they say the pol- the place that hilda lived was haunted and because no one wanted to live there they demolished it what also, i live there also, well, they, I don't know. They said that the place that she committed suicide, cell number five, is haunted. Mm. Even the guard said that they were hearing things from the cell. That the guard dog, the guard, guard, right? Guard, guard, guard dogs wouldn't <laughs> enter. Really? They, yeah. What? They said that even that the guard dogs wouldn't enter that cell. They have seen a woman hanging in the window, mm. and. I guess there was a prostitute that would, went insane after being there for one night. She woke up, or the next day, she was, like, t- completely, like, cr- saying crazy things. Mm. And then today, the prison is now a museum oh. as of 1940. That's kind of cool. What, what I would also like to know is why, in all my reading about these baby farmer and killing killers... Is why the man is never held accountable for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. At least. We're seeing this, all of this. Exactly. At this. Okay. So at least with this case or the case with Minnie, they had to have known that something was going on. Right. I mean. I would think so. It starts off the same. The couple needs money. Okay. So she's going to work as a child broker and taking in the babies supposed to find them homes or whatever okay well then they get the money and but then what happens to the baby so does gustav just not notice there are no babies and right? or Shh, right the so, gardens being dug up every other day <laughs> i mean and there's remnants of baby in the oven come on guy <laughs> get it together yeah. don't go to the basement gustav that's where i Keep my put down the bottle and pay attention to your surroundings. <laughs> um, Ridiculous. Maybe she, maybe she's like, "Don't worry yourself, honey bunny. The babies are all in the back room sleeping. They're just really, really yeah, quiet, sleeping all the time. Okay. These babies don't no. cry. No, babies are not quiet. Even my niece, who was a good baby, cried. Mm-hmm. He knew something. They all had to have known something. Yeah, they did not get out of debt without. Without He's that like, woman's help. Where's so, all this money coming right. from that you're making? So he she didn't get any blame. Sensi. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't get any of the blame, but she helped him out get out of debt. So, yeah, that's what that's what I want to know. Because in none of the readings, seriously, did I did the did the man? Mm. There's only one person who's 
whose um, man made any comments. He happened to be in jail at the time. <laughs> so I know he didn't do it. But yeah. <laughs> but he did try to help his wife out. Okay. So the next story is Francis Knorr. So Francis Knorr. She was born Lydia Alice Knorr in November 6, 1867 in Hawkstown, Newtown, England. Okay. She was one of seven children born to William and Francis Wathwiltz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it at that because that's the only way to pronounce that word. Her father was a hat maker in Chelsea, London. I wonder if he went mad. Because like from the Mad Hatter episode, oh. season one, episode 19. I did an episode on Mad Hatters and yeah. how they went mad. <laughs> so, I remember listening to that one, yeah. So I wonder if he was a he went mad. mad I also hatter. heard read later that he was a tailor, so perhaps he wasn't just a mad I mean just a hatter. So maybe that kept him from going mad. Yeah. Anyway <laughs> when <laughs> anyway, when Francis turned eighteen, a soldier caught her eye. She went away with him for a few days. And then came back, and her family, as they put it, was in a dirty and neglected state. They did not want her setting a bad example for the younger children, so they sent her to Australia. So how old was she at the time? 18. Okay. They sent her to, she didn't even get knocked up, but they sent her to Australia because she went away for a few days with a boy. Oh, well, how dare she? At 18. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> if I did something wrong, I'd just get sent to my room. Right, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the punishment my family would have given me for being knocked up. I would like to think that they would have been supportive. <laughs> but being sent to a whole other country. That's pretty intense. That's pretty severe. You would think right? that your parents would want to keep you around and keep a closer eye on you or something like that if they were nope. afraid you were going to. They cut her off. Hmm. So in 1887, Frances arrived to her new home in Sydney, Australia. She first got a job as a domestic servant. Then she found work as a waitress. Two years later, she married a petty criminal from Germany named Rudolf Knorr. He went by Rudy. The two moved <laughs> from <Let me> Sydney <laughs> to Melbourne thereafter. Well, they pretty much hung around. Like, he's a petty thief. They rung a they hung around a kind of like not the greatest crowd. Mm -hmm. Not the, you know, their, their friends weren't the best. Five years into marriage, 1892, Rudy is in jail for selling his family furniture that wasn't even paid off yet. Hmm. Francis, and I don't know if it's immediate family, like his mom and dad, or if it was like him and Francis's furniture, but he, either way. Yeah. That's kind of not a good thing to do. Yeah. Francis was left... To care for their toddler. There was a depression in the 1890s in Australia at that time. Mm -hmm. And so Frances was pretty hard up. She hooked up with a fishmonger assistant. Hooked up, get it? Ah. <laughs> but that didn't last. He left her. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, what 
was a woman to do? <laughs> Same thing every there. other woman did. <laughs> Go to oh, baby farming. I think I'm going to get me a baby farm. So, as we've talked about before, again and again, this was a social taboo about taking children. So, she, that's what she did. But we haven't really talked about what married women do if they are too poor and have to work. So, at this time in Australia, like I said, there was kind of a depression going on. There was few child care options. So, there was something called a licensed nursing home that took babies like a, like a babysitter or a child, like a daycare. Mm-hmm. But there just wasn't enough of them. So, places like Baby Farms, of course, um, they didn't advertise that they were Baby Farms, but they said that they were they would take these children in. Um, like I said before, too, baby farming was the word back then that didn't have the greatest reputation. So they tried very hard to stay away from those words right. when they advertised or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they tried to show that things were hygienic. Australia had regulations in place that required these places to be registered and that any deaths that occurred would be reported. However, mm. it's very rarely reported because it was just. I guess death never looks good for your business. No, but it's very hard to regulate these places because, like New Zealand, it was done with like police force and not like some social system type of place. So it wasn't like they were able to keep up with that kind of work. So in fall of 1893. A year after Rudy went to jail, the body remains of three-week-old Gladys Crington was found mm-hmm. in the backyard of a pl- of a place that Francis had previously rented. I guess she was rental hopping. Mm. Um, the police decided to look into the other places that Francis was renting mm-hmm. and found two more bodies. Oh, that's not suspicious at all. Mm-mm. They were accidents. The two latter children yes. were declared as murder yeah. or murdered by strangulation and Ooh. suffocation, and their identities were never figured out. And it was unknown. Maybe they didn't have an identity. I mean, maybe the babies were turned over to her without names, and who knows? Yeah, it's possible. And it was unknown how Gladys had died. So she'd taken a baby, she'd get money for it, basically, and then she would, kind of like the other lady. Yeah, it was exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Now, they only found three, but I don't know in that time that Rudy had gone to jail and then she got caught, how many she had taken in, how many, maybe she did find homes for some, um, how many had died, where they had been buried. They only found the three. Mm. She was arrested just a few days after giving birth herself. Fishmonger baby? I don't know. (laughs) Being married to a thief who was in jail did not help her trial. It was said she was hung around, that she hung around immoral people and had raunchy parties attended by fast young men and women. Mm. Even after he had gone to jail, she was Supposedly hanging around all these people. I'd be curious Francis, to know what a raunchy party was back in those days. 
Right? It was People, a little rowdy. Women showing off their ankles. Right. I mean, this was before the flapper days, so. Yeah. Don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a party where they didn't wear hats. Oh, Just my kidding. God. Oh, <laughs> heavens no. There was uh, no direct evidence to point to murder. And Francis claimed that the that Gladys died from convulsions that she was scared to go to the police, so she just buried it. Mm. That's, now, never, that's never what you should do, by the way. No. Mm-mm. No. Don't get scared and bury a body and hide it from the police. <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. Just don't, yeah, just don't murder in the first place. And don't now, murder. Now, he, here's where a man is being blamed, only it's not true. <laughs> Francis wrote to the fishmonger assistant. His name was Edward Thompson, by the way, and asked him to for, to provide false evidence for her defense. He showed the letter to the prosecution, which you should do if you're asked <laughs> to lie. I guess that's he did the right thing. She turned around and because she was so mad that he went to the prosecution and he tried that's she awesome. tried to implicate him as well as the retaliation. But they didn't. They didn't buy it. Ah. The judge stated that there was no evidence of murder to the jury, but the jury did find her guilty all the same. It was kind of like a public pressure, I think, to sentence Francis with the death uh, penalty. Mm-hmm. There was parades chanting, hang Mrs. Nor. Man. And death to the baby killer. And then the newspapers didn't help either. They called her the wholesale butcher. Dang. Among other things, so. But Frances was painted as an unsavory character, and she did not get a petition for mercy by the governor. Just like today, the newspapers had to get all the angles, and they went and interviewed the family. Of course, if they didn't interview the family, then us nosy people wouldn't get all the story, right? I know. We wouldn't know what the parents had to say. Fun in that. It's, it's said... That the parents were up there in years and were heartbroken over the news of their daughter. They also stated that they didn't believe she was guilty. They said she was a headstrong girl, self-willed, but wasn't one to give grave uneasiness. Grave. So the wrong words to use. I know, seriously. (laughs) They did mention she had been away for seven years. But didn't mention why she was away for seven years. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention the fact that we sent her away to Australia so that she would be poor and selling babies and murdering them. Right. Okay, so not all were ready to hang Francis. Some felt the circumstances dictated bad behavior. Now, Rudy asked the governor for clemency. He said that Francis was epileptic, that she would sometimes have these severe fits and let to irrational impulses and long bouts of staring into space. I don't think seizures cause you to murder people, but... That, no, but the severe fits might have... And irrational impulses mm. might have led her to... Murder. Murder. People. Yeah, maybe shaking a baby. Who knows? <laughs> or overdosing them. Like I said, they didn't know why Gladys had died, so... Yeah. And even the hangman, William... William Perrins. 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 
Just shoot me. I don't know this guy's name. <laughs> and even the hangman, William Perrins, he did not want to hang her. The night before he committed suicide by cutting his own throat. He said the jeers and the persecutions of his neighbors would be just as hostile if he hung a woman. So, okay, why kill yourself? Yeah. Why not hang yourself? Why is it a cut to the throat? Oh my god, that's awful. And yeah. and why not just say no? Why not just pass it on to some other person to execute? Okay, so from what I know of executioners, they're pretty prideful people and they have a lot of honor in their jobs. Mm -hmm. If he would have said no, he would have lost his job. It's not like they would have said, oh, you don't want to do... Like, if we didn't want to take a patient for some reason, yeah, we would get... Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Okay, they might not so... like it, but they would switch the patient, right? Yeah. It's not like you're going to be fired, but a hangman would be... They would have been fired. Yeah. The executioner would have been fired. So he would have had no job, but also would have lost some face, you know, just by not, not doing the, the hanging. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're very, it's a very prideful job. Most executioners really didn't like executing women, but they were professional about it and they did it. So I don't know. This guy really must have had some very strong convictions about this woman. Maybe it was because she didn't really have true proof of murdering, but I don't know. He committed suicide, oh, but the worst way, cutting mm. your own throat. That's just, I just, I can't even, even know imagine. how you could possibly go through. Right? How oh. you'd have to go really deep. Yeah, you but, would. Ooh. Right, and and still go is like you'd have to. Oh, okay. Mm. We're not getting into that. <laughs> the The funny thing is that Francis confessed to the murder of the two other babies the night that he committed suicide. Okay. So here well, he... that was uh right. <laughs> she couldn't have said something a little sooner. Right. <laughs> okay. No, I don't know if it's because of torture, which usually the executioners are the ones that do the torture, and they don't usually do torture that soon before hanging. Right. Usually it's like trying to get a confession first, but they already got like the the sentence from her. Right. So I don't think they did they were doing torture. Also it is common for a priest of some sort, bishop, something like that, to come and talk to someone who's about to be hung or executed. So maybe she confessed to them and felt pressured. I don't know. Yeah. So she did say, placed as I am now within a few hours of my death, I expressed a strong desire that this statement be made public with the hope that my fate will not only be a warning for others, but also act as a deterrent. Hmm. So they found another hangman and she was hung on January 15th, 1894. They made a desk mask, death. They made a death mask of her. What? Because a death mask? Uh-huh, a death, you know what a death mask is? I don't, I don't think I know what that is. So after someone died, and in Australia it was common for them to do this to uh, criminals, they would they would do like a plaster mask, plaster covering of the criminal, mm -hmm. make it into like a, a bust, oh. 
And it was used by criminologists and phenology people who study heads. Like study the bumps and stuff on someone's head. Oh. Well, they Oh, to see like if there the, was something there that made her crazy or something like that. Right. Or, oh. They thought they thought skulls of criminals were different than the rest of us. Oh. Than the rest of I say us because I am not a criminal. Right. Because not they yet. because the <laughs> uh, Yeah. So they thought that the criminals had had some, like there was a secret to these heads oh. that was going to reveal like whether or not someone was a criminal or not. Mm. Like maybe there's some secret magic formula to go, ah, they are guilty because look at their head. They have okay. they have this bump here or whatever. So it's called phenology or something. P H P H O N O L O G I S T. Okay. Phenologist. So phenological analysis okay interesting <laughs> so they would st- so yeah so they would study that and then of course like i said ex- exhibitions like instead of putting the body on display they put the death mask on display okay so yeah they thought it was different. anyway um it was assumed that rudy took custody of their child the one they did have together and the one that she had just a few days before she was arrested Neither of them took custody. Rudy said it wasn't his. The fishmonger said it wasn't his. Mm. So it was put in care of the police. And then it was sent to a place called the Home for Neglected Children, which is kind of like an orphanage, I guess. Mm. So that poor kid didn't get claimed at all. I guess it's better than being the child of a murderer. Yeah. And I read that she was very loving to her kid got to see her before she died yeah and was was saying things like i hope you know that i that i wasn't hung and all that kind of stuff so oh. it's really sweet but then i was like but she killed people she, she yeah. killed babies she killed other people's babies i know why couldn't she be as good to her other babies as she was to her own to her own babies why i know and she wouldn't be in this she wouldn't be in this predicament. Exactly. Okay. So that's the story of Francis Noor. Because there were so many horrible women killing babies, I have other stories to tell. So I'm going to do a part two. We're going to end this episode now. And I'm going to say goodbye to Mel for now. So we'll catch you in the next episode. If you are willing to take the ride with us. Bye.